Back and live. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and welcome to Arc City. Welcome to season three. If you're new here, if you've been here for a while, it's great to have you, and I'm really excited about this season. First off, I want to thank Spider for being an incredible sponsor the past two years. They really help support the podcast. Now, the Arc City podcast is new this year, officially sponsored by Stiefel Financial. Stiefel is the title sponsor of the U.S. Alpine team this year, and they're also very keen to support this podcast. So I'm very grateful to them. Listen later in the episode for the ad. Now, I've talked to so many people over the past six months that keep asking me, when is the podcast coming back? So it makes me feel really good to finally get going again. This season, I'm going to try to pump out more episodes than ever before. I can't promise once every two weeks, but I would love to try to make something along those lines happen. What I can promise is that this episode is awesome. We're going grassroots today. I got to talk to some people that are very passionate about ski racing and who have cultivated a beautiful ski racing culture at Loon Mountain in New Hampshire. And then the history nugget at the end is about the 1967 Cannon Mountain World Cup races, which seemed relevant because it's just down the road from me. I'm at Burke Mountain right now trying to race some NORAMs. And it's just down the road from Aaron Laux and Marcus Corey. So Aaron Laux is the K-12 phys ed teacher and high school ski coach at Linwood Public School in Lincoln, New Hampshire. He's also the assistant director of the Loon race team, head U-12 coach there, and also involved at the youth program at the town-owned rope tow called Kink Carvers. And Marcus Corey is the head middle school ski coach also at Linwood Public School, and he's the chaplain at Loon Mountain as well. So, without further ado. Marcus Corey and Aaron Laux, welcome to Arc City. Hey, yeah, glad to be here. This is awesome. <laughs> Good to have you guys. I guess I should have introduced you separately so you don't speak at the same time. But um, this is my first time kind of interviewing two people at once, which is kind of fun. And it's my first time going a little bit more grassroots because I normally interview, you know, World Cup ski racers or, you know, I interviewed a kind of an industry insider at Rosignol, but I haven't quite got down to the grassroots, which I'm very excited about because I always talk about making ski racing more affordable, you know, getting down to how do you uh, reach more skiers and how do you create more programs? Um, So it sounds like you guys are doing that. Aaron, I'd like to start with you. Can you kind of just give me an overview of what you're doing right now and where you are? You're in Lincoln, New Hampshire at a public school. And I think you started the ski team at this public school, right? Uh, No, I didn't start the ski team, but but when I arrived here 31 years ago, we had a ski team and Loon Mountain is just two miles down the road. And we also have a rope tow, which is a mile down the road. And you know, we have a lot of people that that either work the mountain or are involved with with the town and the town's kind of taken off with regards to uh you know skiing and and a lot more a lot more buildings around here than there was 30 years ago uh, as most ski towns off. can kind of attest to right yeah yeah and, and with that said that the sport has not gotten any cheaper it's it's gotten more mm-hmm. expensive um over the years as well and you know one thing we've found is 
is that you know some of the best skiers are from from ski towns and they just need an opportunity to 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 ski and ski race or or freestyle whatever it may be uh, yeah. and we're trying to help with that help with that opportunity that's awesome yeah i totally agree i mean you know the, the um <clears throat> getting local skiers is what things kind of always circle back to when i talk to people about getting more skiers out there yeah so and, you've you got know, kind of, yeah you, yeah go ahead i kind of I, I grew up uh in wollaston vermont and you may have heard of the the rope toe at cochran's and that yep. was the area that, that i began getting really passionate about skiing and ski racing and the PE teacher there uh, helped organize something similar to what we have that Marcus and I have going with with our with our program with the middle school and high school teams. Yeah, that's and so it's kind of you were inspired by what's going on at Cochran's. I yeah, I guess Cochran's right. They've got a at least I think they've got a couple of public schools involved there, right? Oh, they have many. It's it's much larger. Their their ski area is much larger. And it's private compared to where ours is is a town run slope. Okay. But the, the town run of, slope uh, is the is that rope toe, right? Correct. Okay. And so and so kind of walk me through like how, how many guys do you have on the team or how many guys and girls? Uh right now we have about 30 between the middle and high school. We only have about 10 high school skiers and 20, yeah, 20 to 21 middle school. Some of okay. the younger kids ski ski up. It, it it comes in waves. Some years we've had twelve to fifteen middle school and you know fifteen to twenty high school. But right now it's you know at the high school level, we we have some some of our athletes are are doing winter terms as well, in different places, which which is also exciting. Which you know getting mm-hmm. them to that point. And and, and with those sorry doing, to interrupt, would those be in winter terms like at at ski academies? Yeah, at Waterville, Marcus has oh, two daughters okay. that are in our school who came up through our system, and now our race one is racing fists and, and one is racing as a U sixteen, and uh, you know, it's it's just great. You just want to celebrate that. We've had some of our best ski racers have also been freestylers as well. We we promote, you know, pr- promote snow sports, and you know, we also have a friend of ours that's starting to create a freestyle program within town as well. Oh, that's it's probably really also. Cool. Notable, Jimmy, that our our average graduating class here is about twenty to twenty two, so maybe twenty five, somewhere like that. Yeah, so it's a, yeah. it's a, if that. So the fact that twenty two are on our middle school program that that's oh, that's a third or more of the middle school is on oh, the wow. Middle <laughs> okay, so per class that graduates, you've got about twenty to twenty five kids, and and so within the high school, you've got twelve to fifteen every year, and that's yeah, those are that's those are great numbers. Oh yeah. If you go statistically, they're, they're really big numbers actually. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So Marcus, you know, you're the middle school coach. Are you, are you kind of tasked with recruiting, uh, some kids cause they're a little bit younger? Uh, not really. It, it kind of recruits itself. Uh, Aaron does a great job with a youth program uh, at our local rope toe called the Kank Carvers. And uh, third, fourth and fifth graders can jump in on that. And what's the beauty of that? And I don't want to steal any of your thunder, Aaron. You could probably take it from here is he has his high school team coaches the Kank Carvers. Maybe you want to talk about that. Yeah. On, uh, for four weeks over the winter prior to us training, the high school will will take a group of three to five. Each each kid will take three to five other kids and do some drills with them, bring them through some drill courses, 
and it's also at night under the lights and they just get a taste for what it's like to be a part of the the linwood ski community i mean to this day my girls the oldest one who's racing fist she 100 still remembers who her kank carver coach was and thought it was the biggest thing in the world when that kank carver coach gave her a ussa hoodie that was she came home from that as a third grader and was like, oh, my word, I have a USSA hoodie from my coach. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's awesome. See, and there's something, I mean, I think a lot of skiers who have skied under lights can attest to this, but there's something just really magical about skiing under the lights um, as, a, as a ski racer. I don't know what it is, but it's just like <clears throat> having an after-school program under the lights, I think is, is uh, kind of lights up your imagination as a ski racer. There's, yeah. there's a lot magical about this local hill here from the rope toe to the lights, to the penny candy. Um, it's just all what we all remember skiing as, as a kid. And it's, it, it's, I call it never, never land. It's where kids go to not be kids. <laughs> they, they love it. It's incredible. Yeah. And, yeah, I, that's great. and kind of, kind of, kind of going back to the equipment and everything, I would say over the last five to 10 years, about 60 to 70% of our athletes on our team are on donated equipment. hundred percent. See, that's seeing. And then that's a lot of the reason why I wanted to talk to you guys is, is, is you found a way to recycle equipment. And so you've got this attic swap, right? Talk, tell me about it. Yeah. Well, it originally started in my basement and, <laughs> It wasn't great for my relationship of having a lot, <laughs> having a lot of ski stuff <laughs> in, in his home. <laughs> you know, uh, so I'd get I'd get some equipment and then bring it down there, and then people would come down. And then Marcus was uh, had an opportunity to purchase the house he had, and he was like, "Whoa, I, I have a garage, and I have a garage with an attic." And and so we we ended up moving a lot of the stuff over there. And especially the boots, and then a lot of the the skis, shinies, you know? shinies, yeah. GS suits, poles. And then, you know, uh, oh, we can do a better job of this. Let's, let's, why don't I take the, the bigger skis? You know, I think I have 150 and up yep. and, or 145 Solomon up. And I think and, like 165 GS and up. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's just easier to manage and we can send, send athletes to different places and, or I can bring the, the, the stuff over there. And then we kind of mix and match bindings and, and we do the best we can. And usually, well, not usually, almost always, the, it's the last stop is we, we use them to the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, just had somebody on a pair of skis that somebody won the state championship on seven years ago. And we just had to retire that ski. Uh, so. <laughs> it's kind of interesting retiring skis up there. So like this year we were retiring skis. And I noticed that four of the head skis that were retiring had my daughter's names on them from four or five years ago. And I put them aside and I made her a chair for Christmas and I had a little oh, friend yeah. make her a chair for Christmas. And what I think the coolest thing about this chair that she has is that these were her skis when she was a U12, but then three other middle school students skied on them and they came and back, back. To, yeah, and brought them back, came back to my attic, even after she had skied them and they get, went into a chair for her. Yeah. And it That's usually means beautiful there, cycle. There's, no edge, there's no edge or, <laughs> or base or, or like, any camber or anything left they're you know they're done <laughs> <laughs> but see that's the way it should be you know like i i, I it, it kills me it pains me every time i look in my barn because i've got way too many pairs of skis in there that will you know are no longer effective for me but are plenty effective for 
any young ski racer. And then after a young ski racer uses them, maybe they're effective for another young ski racer or, or, or somebody else. And they're just sitting here like pretty effective skis and, you know, skis should like, you should use a pair of skis. It should be used until there's no edge left. Yeah. And it's, we don't have a lot of races within our, um, within our series. So we have probably four slaloms in the whole season. So, you know, they're not getting tuned quite like a full season with, with an Eastern program you know, right. or a USSS yeah. program. Right. And from, uh, most of the kids that get to the high school that are, that are part of a weekend program, they, we recommend them to, to get dialed in and purchase their, their, their equipment or to get a good hand. Like as they get older, it's harder because they're they're bigger and they're harder on skis so it's it's harder yeah. to find but um you know it's also harder to find that tweener stuff for the high yeah. schoolers because we yeah. get we get some fist stuff given to us but sometimes it's just too much but what, what we figured out is okay we'll get you to high school buy a slalom ski next year buy a gs ski and you know, something along and then line. there's an incredible program that aaron heads up called the governor's cup and uh, our local ussss program does a, a fundraising race that dumps into that pot and each kid depending upon their grades and and how they're doing in school can 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 get into that pot each year and, and submit what they need for things and as they get older the 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 the, the amount gets larger and we we kind of encourage that kid that's been here since third grade you know when they're a sophomore or a junior to get into a boot that's for them that'll be yeah. their boot right through the end of their senior year or to get a get a good slalom ski that will be theirs and uh, it's called the governor's cup money. And, and that's been pretty cool to see that also be very effective in helping high school kids race. Yeah. And that, that's funded by the weekend program. It's, it's an end of the year kind of in-house race. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> you guys are saying so like, I'm, I'm just trying to follow along and I hope that ev like anybody who's connected to a ski club out there or anybody who's connected to a high school racing team, uh, is listening very closely because this is this feels like a blueprint for how to make the sport more affordable but then also as yeah. you you know get older and you and you want to you want your racers to you know have a boot that fits more properly or have a ski that can really give them some zing in the course you know then finding ways to to upgrade but everything you're talking about you know the the fundraising race the need based pool that 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 fundraising race goes into you know the attic swap with everything organized and mismatching bindings so you can make it all work like it feels like yeah. you know that club should be listening to this stuff yeah and one thing i really feel like i need need to add is loon mountain which is in my mind the, the best area in new hampshire uh supports our our school our ski team uh, with with a very good rate and relationship, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah uh, as far mm -hmm. as making the cost of skiing very cheap, and yeah. it, and it, even if you're not a racer, you can you can buy buy a pass for a couple hundred dollars, and it's even cheaper if you're on the team. Right. And that, that has made a big difference. Yeah. There's some pretty key, you know, when I listen to you, Jimmy saying like, man, you know, clubs need to listen. And they, and, and we really right. are, we, we really feel fortunate that you're chatting with us and we kind of feel like this is kind of cool, but there's some major elements, obviously the mountain being the first element and its relationship to town, but then mm -hmm. there's the USSS club up there and its relationship to our school. Then it's our school being very supportive of our ski program, our administration and our teachers. And then it's our town having a hill that it's extremely supportive 
of our of our program. So it's it's kind of like we've got a really incredible uh, elements in place here. And then you know, then as far as the gear, as far as the gear exchange, it's the second homeowners yes, that really sure. understand what we're doing and are very generous to this. I mean, we've even had some second mm-hmm. homeowners come into our attic survey the scene and say, wait, you're missing out on this or you're missing out on that. You know what? I'm just going to purchase it so that it's in your attic or you are, are little, little skis. They've come in and said, man, you don't have any eighties or nineties or one hundreds. Like, no, they never come in. And they're like, okay, then they'll just literally walk out, go to the local ski store, buy eighties and nineties and bring them back and put them, put them in the quiver, which I mean, that support is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, and so, so those are all the missing, those are not missing, you know, missing pieces at some resorts maybe they are at other clubs um but it's there's a lot of pieces we even had a yeah we even had other high schools uh reach out to us many of the local high schools will like if they have a a high school skier that needs something they'll ask us and then we'll bring some stuff to the next right we've been so fortunate we've been so blessed that we've actually opened it up to other high schools within a half an hour drive here that also have kids that are struggling financially to make this work and we said listen we're going to do our local fit day. We're going to make sure all of our locals are set, whatever. Once that happens, Hey, you know, high school from a half an hour North high school from half an hour South, you guys are in the same boat as us. Come on, let's make sure you get on snow too. Yeah. I wonder are, is the, the feeling amongst families in the town? Cause you know, you, you, you talk to families about ski racing and they go, Oh, you know, my kid's not going to ski race. Cause I, I can't afford that. Um, ski racing is crazy expensive, right? Like I think part of the problem is you can make ski racing more affordable, but if it still has that stigma of, oh, it's completely beyond my budget, then a lot of people just don't even bother getting into it. Do you think that in your area, local families know like, hey, maybe my kid's not going to be a World Cup ski racer, but they can have a ton of fun and ski race all the way through high school. Is that a fair assessment? I, I, I would say so. And and we we try our best to to create those opportunities. It, you know, it's a little bit of a juggle year to year, but we've had many people go from sixth, you know, sixth grade to 12th grade and we've made it work. And then, you know, there might become a point where, Hey, you know, you, you, you should get a, your boot dialed in. You're, you're a sophomore. You're, you're one of the best kids in the state. And, you know, just maybe that's, that's what you use your governor's cup money for this year. And, you know, yeah, it's it, it's been really nice to to help create those opportunities. Well, the culture is so big, Jimmy, you know, and I got to give Aaron credit for that. He's been here 31 years and he was, you know, a ski racer as a kid and ski raced in college. And he came to this town and he saw the potential of kind of really bringing all of those things together. He's, he's kind of like the go between between the local till, the loon, the USSS program here. Uh, I've kind of joined him as an assistant being a connection to all those as well. But the culture here, you know, I try to explain it. I moved here about 10 years ago and I really wasn't, I I didn't ski race, but I played football and I played football in college. And when I was trying to explain to some of my friends, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm coaching a middle school team. And it feels like I'm coaching a middle school football program outside of Dallas, Texas. Like there's a (laughs) culture here now that he has created in 31 years where kids want to be a part of this winning culture and this really fun culture and, and vibrant culture of ski racing. And, and like he said earlier, some of, some of our numbers issues at the high school is actually because kids have moved on and are skiing at, you know, are skiing at Academy levels and fist levels and, and prep school levels, all good things you want to cheer on, but sometimes you're kind of sad to see them leave. And uh, so it's a really cool culture here that Aaron's been you know creating for a long time. 
Yeah. So I was going to ask about, um, how the team does, you know, how, how, uh, how good you guys are. <laughs> uh, we, you know, it's, it's, it goes in cycles for sure. Uh, the middle school has been state champions the last three years. Uh, we've won several, well, probably 10, 10 or so state titles at the high school level and been runner up about that many times as well. And had several individual state championships, we're, we're in a very competitive division. We, mm-hmm. we, the school up the road is Cannon Mountain. I'm not sure if you've heard of Cannon. It's <laughs> uh, my middle they, name. Yeah. <laughs> it actually uh, is, though. Yeah. That's oh, cool. Really? That's what could go with. Yeah, I grew up yeah, skiing at Cannon. Did you grow up skiing at Cannon? Did I see yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So profiles just up the road. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're a very competitive team. And, you know, a uh, lot of the smaller schools that we raised by population. Our division, Division Four, is the, the one of the strongest, if not the strongest, division. Because it's ski towns, yeah, small ski little ski towns, towns. It's like Gorham at Wildcats, the Sunapee at Mount Sunapee. <laughs> you know, uh, it's you know, it's it, it's nice. And so yeah, we're 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 we're, we're competitive. That's cool. And, yeah, Jimmy, and, if you were to come, if you were to come to our local hill on a Thursday night and see third through twelfth graders skiing slalom with the twelfth and the you know the high school teaching the youngers, you, you would look at eight courses set on this small little rope toe, and all of it wa- working like clockwork. You're like, my goodness, you know. And we have a saying here: no one skis more slalom than us. <laughs> Nobody skis more slalom than us. Yeah. That's great. So how, how many, how much vertical is, is the rope toe? <laughs> the rope toe, it's 800 feet. Okay. So how many slalom <laughs> gates? Like how well, long? The 800, no, it's that? 800 feet. The rope toe itself is 800 feet. The vertical is probably only about 150. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> uh, we, we have a, a night race called the Kane classic, which is the, the Northern high schools. And uh, we named it after the, the groomer who passed away, David Dovalock. It's the David Dovalock Memorial Kane classic. And we have a day race and a night race. And it's, it's one of the, it's a huge hit in town. Oh, it's so fun. I mean, there's, there's meatball subs and we're introducing kids and there's There's like, there's DJs. Each kid, each Linwood athlete gets to come down to, they get to pick what song they want to come down to race to, which is kind of cool. And they, like, they all, they don't remember their plates, but they know what song they speak to. (laughs) That's amazing. And it's a night race. It's a night yeah, race. Yeah, well, yeah, oh. there's, there's a day and a night. We've actually grown it so much that now there's a day and a night race. Yeah. Um, oh, they so see that's good. just the that's just the spirit of ski racing. I mean, that's just that's just the best. Like it, it reminds me of uh, the holiday classic race that they run out in Steamboat yeah, every right. year. It's a, a fist slalom, and you know, people from the town come out and they and they drink Glühwein, and you know, they've got two announcers and music going and everyone's sending it under the lights and it's just like you know you're you sit there and you're like i want to be part of ski racing if this is what ski racing is yeah and that's the culture that i'm talking about you know if you grow up a third grader here and you come to the kank classic you're going to want to be a part of this culture you grow up going i want to do that yeah and one you know and as far as the high end i i I agree with marcus a hundred percent one thing that's also really neat about our program is that we've got some people that don't do other sports and this is the only thing they do or they're they're just you know they they learned to ski two or three years ago and 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 they're you know they're hopping in the rope toe and running it from the top 
Um, One of my favorite stories here is, you know, we, we tell people, Hey, we don't teach you to ski. If, if you're going to be on our club, you got to know how to ski and we're going to teach you to ski race. We had a seventh grader, maybe about five, six years ago show up. And we said, Hey buddy, you need to go ski on your own apart from the team to learn to ski and then come back to us. And he came back cause he wanted to be part of that culture so much. And his, I think sophomore, junior and senior year, he, he scored points for our team almost every one of those years, I think. And came to us as a seventh grader. And we told him he needed to go learn to ski on his own. Like that to me, like when he graduated, uh, you know, when we were talking to him at the end, I gave him this, this massive hug and said, dude, I think it's so cool. Then seventh grade, you came back and kept, and kept, yeah. kept at it and look at you scoring points for our team now. See, I love that, you know, and, and a lot of people sometimes think that it's, you know, like it's an academy and it's either like a, a U.S. ski team or college ski team or bust. And it's stories like that where it's someone who like in seventh grade couldn't ski and is graduating from high school um, as a, as a very solid skier who can probably ski most things on any mountain in the country and will have that lifelong skill and that lifelong passion. And you're putting that person into the ski world and into the ski racing culture. And maybe they'll have kids who are ski racers, but like, it's, it's not high school programs don't necessarily have to just be for college and U.S. ski team. Uh, And a lot of our athletes have gone on to be coaches or ski instructors or, or, you know, working at the mountain in some way or another. And they're like, Oh, I can make some money doing what I love as well. (laughs) So that's been nice. Jimmy, it is super fun to see a a freshman or a sophomore come back from college. That's from our team and they're going to school out West or they're going to school here in the Northeast. And they do that classic first ski trip with all their friends, you know, January for college break. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden all their friends from wherever they are like, dude, where'd you learn to ski, man? Oh my word. You can ski so well. It's it's, it's so fun to see these guys come back. Like, Oh, it's so fun skiing with my college buddies. Cause I could just smoke them. (laughs) That's great. And so, and so you mentioned the program has sent some athletes to winter programs at, at ski academies. Does it feel like if someone grows up in town skis at the middle school program, maybe does a year at the high school program that they could then use that as a jumping off point to a ski academy and then like a D one college. Are you at that point yet? We've, we've had, we've, we had one athlete race division one. Um, you know, he ended up leaving in high school and, and raced at Bates and we've had, we've had, we have a current, you know, someone racing USCSA right now. We've had a couple others racing that, uh, We've yeah. had a bunch of fist athletes. Yeah, a bunch of fist athletes. Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes they come back and, and they, they've gone to academy and come back, and that just makes the team even stronger. Yeah, um, we had yeah. guys go away to an academy, do a year of fist, come back, and then be a state champion the next year. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 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 Since 1890, Stiefel has been committed to safeguarding the money of others as if it were their own. That means more than just building a portfolio. It means they're invested in you and your future success. It means their advisors are real people, not robots or algorithms. And it means doing what's best for you, not just people like you. Stiefel is one of the oldest firms on Wall Street because they do things the way they should be done, and they've done it that way for over 130 years. Stiefel, since 1890. Visit stiefel.com to learn more. S-T-I-F-E-L dot com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. <laughs> Try that again. 
That's kind of fun. Stiefel Nicholson Company, Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Uh, Jimmy, I, I got to head out. I I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, but Marcus is going to take over for here. And this is a, he's, I can talk for hours about this. <laughs> I just, just want one motto we have uh, here, here at Linwood is it's, it's always a great day to ski. So I wish you could see it, Jimmy, right above his head in his office right there. It literally says today's a great day to ski. <laughs> And that's what we always say, no matter what's going on. Today's a great, great day to ski. But to answer your question earlier, Jimmy. uh, But but, but, sorry, one um, second, Marcus. I just wanted to say thank you, Aaron. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) He looks forward to seeing you over here when you're here for Dartmouth, and we'll show you the attic in person. That would be great. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. But to answer your question, Jimmy, uh, yeah, totally. Kids come out of here uh, ripping, um, especially in slalom with our rope toe. Um, I guess I'll talk about my daughters cause I know them well, but they're both at Waterville Valley Academy. My oldest daughter is skiing fists right now. Um, it was pretty cool. She got to ski a Noram with Sam Morris, who she's really close with. And it was pretty cool to see her and Sam in the same Noram out of, out of, uh, copper earlier this month. But you know, she, her base is here in public ski, public school skiing. This is her her base. It was in this public school skiing that they were like, you know, you ought to try out USSS on the weekends. And then she kind of, that's her, her path that she's been on and she's a first year fifth skier right now. That's cool. So I, I guess as we start to wrap this up and, and near the end, I want to make sure that you've, that I, I haven't missed anything, you know, cause I, I haven't seen this program in person. I, I just feel like there's, there's got to be stuff I'm missing or something you want to talk about. Well, I think earlier listening to Aaron talk to, to really kind of paint a picture for you is the elements that are in place. So, you know, we have a large ski resort here in town and really our town revolves around, you know, that ski resort, you know, 300,000 plus skier visits, um, a USSS program, and that resort is very supportive of our locals. So that's one element. Then you've got a really supportive school for our Alpine program that, you know, that, that here in the public school that Aaron's been running for over 30 years and the admin and the teachers, because, you know, we, we leave school frequently and we're gone. And there's, there's some, there's some schools that just that would not be okay with, and they, they've embraced it. It's the culture here. And then, you know, we have that town owned Hill. So our rec department in our town is incredible in supporting, you know, our program there from third grade all the way up to senior year. And then a big part is the relationship with the second homeowner. So we have second homeowners from Cannon, second homeowners from Waterville, and second homeowners from here at Loon that all know about the attic, that all Mm -hmm. donate to the attic. And it's just so, they get so much joy from, you know, sometimes I'll be at a race and a kid will win, you know, or a kid will be ripping or learning to ski. And I'll see a name on a ski from someone from Cannon or someone from Waterville or someone from Loon and I'll just snap a quick photo and say, Hey, just so you know, this ski was in the middle school state championship race this year and yeah. help us win a race, you know, help us win. And that, that was, it's just incredible. And a lot of the second homeowners come to my attic where the pizza oven is and we, you know, we hang out there and it's super fun. And, and so the, it, the, the culture here, you know, and I'd say that Aaron's been doing it now for 30 years. So he's a big piece of why all that culture is, you know, um, congruent and together. 
I'm just fortunate to be a part of it. And I run in all those circles with my girls down in Waterville and I work at Loon. And, and so it's all those elements have to come together, but you know, when they do, man, it's incredible. And it allows a lot of local kids who would not be out there otherwise to be able to be out there both here in this town, but also North and South of here as well. Yeah. So I got a couple questions. Okay. The first one, I'm trying to remember all this stuff. Okay. First one, um, does Loon, is Loon owned by Epic or Icon or is it still a separate entity? Uh, it's owned by Boeing Ski Resorts out of um, out of Michigan. Okay. And so does that al- allow it to kind of have a little bit more of a homegrown feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think what allows it to have a homegrown feel is I think Boeing is very supportive of that from what I understand and know. Uh, but also there's just been a lot of locals working at Loon for a long time. So okay. it was private. I don't know the exact dates, but from its beginning with with uh, our governor, actually, um, Adams, um, Sherm Adams was the founder of Loon and it was private for many, many years. And then it kind of bumped around ownership for a little bit. And then Boeing uh, took over the management and then slowly began to own it because they own Sugarloaf up in Maine, Sunday River at Maine, now Pleasant Mountain in Maine and Loon, which creates a nice New England feel. And uh, I think there's so many locals that have worked up there for so long. Um, we've got a really great inn up there. Gotcha. So I, I feel like the uh, kind of common thread I'm hearing throughout the stories that you and Aaron are telling is that like, when you say culture, it's it's the, the people, like the the people at, that work at Loon and run things at Loon are in on it. You know, the, the, the teachers at the public school are in on it and the parents are in on it. The second homeowners are in on it and they all like ski racing. And it's, I want to mention this because I think that sometimes ski racers get bad raps and in their, in some areas, I think, you know, to any ski racers listening to this, especially young ski racers, like try to make a good impact on the people around you at the mountain with, with the lifties, with, uh, mountain management with with anybody you're around because if ski racing has a good rap like it does at you know saloon and at kank ski slope where the, where they run that awesome night race you know everyone wants to help out and you hear these inspiring stories about guys learning to ski in seventh grade and then crushing it in high school racing but but if you don't if, if you don't have a good relationship i, I think it's it's tough oh you're totally right People are, you know, people are everything, man. And the culture uh, and bringing those people together. Uh, and like you said, emphasizing the shared common experience. Like what's the shared interest? And I think sometimes ski racers or other people can forget that we all share share a common interest in the mountains and we share a common interest uh, yeah. in skiing and making turns. And that's what I love about, you know, the industry that I get to work in as a ski resort minister, as a chaplain, what other, what other place could you be a chaplain or what other place could be, be working in an industry where a billionaire and a bum in a lift line are like high-fiving, like hooting and hollering, excited. And really in this industry, the billionaire is actually more jealous of the bum than the other way around. And uh, I absolutely love, uh, you know, ski racing and skiing in general for that reason is we just all come around, you know, that shared common experience. And the other thing that's really been fun here that it's funny to mention, too, is the pizza is a big deal as well. Like what's been interesting (laughs) is to watch 
pizza. Cause sometimes when you're skiing, you're in your goggles and your helmet or, you know, your, your neck is up and you, you know, and some people are on the USSS track or the fish track. And some people are here at Linwood and skiing public. So they don't sometimes always cross paths, but when we do these big pizza events, we call it pizza for the people. When we do these big pizza events, it's really quite awesome because you know, everyone's goggles are off and helmets and are And this off. is in your attic, right? Well, the pizza for the people has gone so big that we've actually had to move locations. When we do the fit day and when we do some small hangouts that the pizza oven is at the attic, we have a new location when we do these pizza for the people events. Cause they've gone, I mean, we do two to 300 pizzas and it just wow. grew out of proportion. So that's where a lot of like second homeowners and locals come together and really get to know one another. And what's been really fun is to watch second homeowners and locals volunteer side by side. Cause each time we host a pizza for the people, it benefits a different local nonprofit. And it's so fun to watch everyone come around pizza live music and and a lot of them come from the winter pizza thing around ski racing and that's just been really fun for me so like to see like you said that shared common joy of skiing bringing people together but then also a shared common love for wood-fired pizza too has been really fun yeah and i i think it's interesting that you mentioned the second homeowners and the locals because i think that's the reality of basically any ski town and it's a relationship that can kind of feel tenuous sometimes because sometimes locals feel like second homeowners are coming in here, jacking up housing prices, and you know they're not a local. They're they're kind of um, screwing up the scene. And then second homeowners maybe can't identify with locals as much. People who just stay in the mountains all year. And I think that getting that that mixing going on and and getting people to have a share you know to to realize just the amazing shared interest in ski racing and skiing in general you know not that there's not that there's you know they're at war with each other but you know it i i think that maybe um locals and second homeowners don't mix as much in certain ski areas yeah it is hard i mean like you said some of the things that are happening and will always continue to happening is demand always wins right and so housing prices go up and you know, and, and resources grow thin and that's difficult for locals. Um, and then what happens is when people don't talk or they don't come together around a shared common interest, they begin like to pizza. assume, yeah, like pizza or ski racing, like any, in any relationship, people begin to assume things. They begin to like think things that aren't necessarily true. And what's amazing is to watch, you know, second homeowners and locals, come around because both Aaron and I live in both worlds. We coach here at the, at the public school level and we are locals, but we both work at the mountain and we both work with second homeowners in the race program and, and all kinds of different programs up there at Loon. And, and, and my mountain church is unique in the fact that it's a skiing church and a snowboarding church. And so that is a really unique blend of locals and second homeowners. And um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. There is some tensions for sure. But what seems to ease the tension is the shared common joy of skiing or snowboarding Mm -hmm. or pizza. And it's so fun to watch those relationships take place. And what's been incredible is some of the people who have been the biggest advocate for affordable housing or helping us through some of these really hard questions about even, you know, utilities and what to do with limited resources 
has, has been some of these really, you know, second homeowners, which has been awesome. And the pandemic actually has brought a lot of second homeowners to live here full time now. Mm-hmm. And this is, they've, they've adopted this as their community. And now it's like, well, no, I want to help this community too. And, and that, you know, that the pandemic has kind of done that as well. And so it, it's, it's a really cool place to be. Sure. We got our issues. Housing prices is definitely one of them. Limited housing is another one. Limited workforce is another one. You name it. A ski ski town has an issue. We have it too. Uh, but one of the things that's just been a lot of fun is to gather people around their shared enjoyment of skiing and pizza and ski racing. And like you said, that the night classic race and the culture. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it, because you're a chaplain, I'm, I've never been very religious, but, you know, people do find a spirituality in skiing. So I don't know if you can, you know, say a few words on that. Well, I think about Sam Morse's mom, uh, Pam. She's the chaplain at Sugarloaf, Maine, and she's the one who actually got me this job here. And believe it or not, she's got her doctorate in like, um, second homeowner or transient population. Uh, like she's literally studied. What is it people are looking for when they come to the mountains? That's what she studied for a doctorate from a spirit, from a spiritual standpoint. And I love what she discovered. She discovered a lot of times we think people are escaping, right? It's an escape to come up away from your reality and come to this, you know, you know, false sense reality in the mountains and, and get away from it. And there might be a little bit of that, but what she found is more the case is they're pilgriming. There's a pilgrimage, meaning people are looking to belong. They're looking for meaning and they're looking for purpose and they're looking to belong. And I have, I've completely seen this. She's given words to it for me, but this is what this culture in the ski racing, our attic, the pizza oven, people want to belong to something. And, and so, yes, you are totally right. When people come to the mountains, it is very spiritual, whatever they want to call that or whatever that, you know, that's totally up to them, but they're very, you know, very spiritual. One of the things we like to say at our church is, you know, there's John Muir's famous saying is I'd rather be in the mountains thinking about God than in church thinking about the mountains. And what we say here at our <laughs> mountain church is why not do both? We're, we're outdoor ski services here, Waterville, Sunday river, Sugarloaf, Pleasant mountain. So we're part of a pretty cool family of, of, of faith-based individuals who are outside and love skiing. That's really cool. I love that. I'm not sure I have anything to add. You know, that you've said some great stuff. Um, and I, I totally agree with that, you know, coming to the mountains, like you, you find a purpose and a sense of belonging and, and it's a great, great community. You know, you'd find a community. Of, right. Agreed. And think about the relationships that are formed. Like I'm not talking to you right now, if it wasn't for a wedding at the top of Sugarloaf that, you know, that you, we went up, you know, 2000 vertical feet, got to the top, had an outdoor amphitheater and you attended Sam's wedding there, which I was a part of. And that's where we do church. That outdoor amphitheater there is where we, where we do church. And you're right. What I love about it is it's about shared common experiences lead to relationships. And relationships are the rails on which life change actually happens. And that's the business that I'm in making relationships, you know, and, and, and seeing lives be changed for the good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Marcus, I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm I'm glad that we met on the top of that mountain because this has been a really fun conversation and, and hopefully a really enlightening one for a lot of people. And hopefully all the coaches out there, ski racers out there are listening and, and, and taking notes. Do you have, I always give my guests at the end of every episode, an opportunity to kind of shout someone out, you know, just say anything they want to say. It's just the floor is yours. I mean, I would say this, Jimmy, I'm, I'm going to shout out to you. I know it's probably a little brown nosing on your podcast, but be willing to stop and look at someone else and take a picture because at um, Mount Hood this last year, um, we had just got done a, a training on, on, on a session. We were down at the bottom and you were taking your boots off. I didn't, I didn't know you. It was before Sam's wedding. And uh, we had a lot of kids that can't afford to go to a normal ski camp out of hood at our, at our camp with, with, with Sam at fast, at, at fast camp. And we were all kind of down there. A lot of those kids, this is new to them. There's, I would say half of our camp is not USSS. There are middle school and high school ski racers. And uh, Sam said, yo, Jimmy, can you take a photo of us? And uh, you're like, yeah, oh yeah, sure. And you grabbed someone's phone and we all sat around and you took a photo of us. And, uh, and Sam was like, Hey guys, it's Jimmy Krupka. And then, then look, check out his, his podcast. I think a couple of kids that knew your podcast were looking for stickers. And that was my introductory dude to your podcast. So be willing to stop and take a photo of somebody. And that's, that's how we met. So my shout out is to you, man. Cool. Yeah. I, I love those encounters and I, you know, I, I, to anybody listening right now, if, if you uh, see me out there, um, I should be, shouldn't be too hard to recognize because my face blown up on the front of the podcast cover. Um, say hi. I, I might have stickers on me and I love hearing suggestions or just hearing that you listen to the podcast. So absolutely. Awesome, dude. Keep it up. Hope to see you out there soon. Go get them at Burke. That's where you are this next couple of weeks and go get them. I hope to see you this summer when you're here for, uh, for Dartmouth. Sounds good. Thanks for taking the time, Marcus. You know what time it is. It's the History Nugget. These are the White Mountains of New Hampshire, near the small town of Franconia, the site of the 1967 North American Alpine Skiing Championships. Here, the finest skiers in the world will be running down the mountain, including this young man who many think is the best ever developed. He is Jean-Claude Keely of France the man whom the finest array of skiers in the world will be chasing this afternoon. So I have open in front of me the winter 2017 issue of the Journal of the New England Ski Museum. The New England Ski Museum is located at the base of Cannon Mountain in Franconia, New Hampshire, and it's an awesome spot with a ton of history inside its little walls. So if, you've ever, if you're ever in the area, you should definitely check it out. And this article that I'm looking at is about the 1967 World Cup at Cannon Mountain. And it happened in the very first year of the World Cup circuit because before the 66-67 season, the Olympics were held every four years, the World Championships held every two years, as they still are, but there wasn't a World Cup circuit. So the FIS, the director of FIS, Mark Holdler, and the U.S. 
ski team alpine director bob biatti tried to make this circuit happen that would encompass both europe and the u.s and they could then call it the world cup so it started with world championships in the summer of 66 in portillo in chile and then it went to france Adelboden, Switzerland, uh, Kitzbühel, Austria, Berchtesgaden, Germany, Sestrier, Italy, and then the tour went to Cannon Mountain in March, and then Vail and Jackson Hole. So if you haven't been to Cannon Mountain, it's it's not as big as the, the Austrian Alps or the mountains out west, but it, it's got some steeps to it. And so the, the downhill went on, if you're familiar with, with Cannon Mountain, Vista Way, Bypass, Avalanche Extension, and Avalanche. And it's a great downhill. I mean, if, if they could bring it back, I'd love to run it. It's 2,000 vertical feet is the drop. And, you know, putting this event on took a lot of moving pieces, in, including, which is this is a fun little bit here, that there wasn't enough snow leading up to the, the 1967 race. So they had a whole bunch of people trying to shovel snow out of the woods onto the trail to to cover the whole trail and that didn't seem like it was going to work so they contacted someone in minnesota because uh snow making wasn't you know very widespread at that time found someone in minnesota who could get them a snow making system and they set the whole thing up they got the fire trucks to pump water from the lake and all of this and then it snowed 14 inches when they started running the guns so they didn't really need them kind of ironic the legislature was involved in, in, in funding this event. The local businesses, like all the inns and hotels, put up all the national teams and the, and the press people. Uh, the, another fun photo I'm looking at is they had these VW vans that would pick up the European teams in New York and drove them to Franconia, New Hampshire. And on the side is written North American Alpine Championships, a World Cup event, March 10th through 12th, 67, Franconia, New Hampshire. There's also a photo of the Crystal Globes that they would award the winners of the discipline titles and then the overall titles, and they look identical to the Crystal Globes awarded nowadays, which I think is cool. <clears throat> a couple other fun things. Uh, you know, the American teams, as opposed to staying in hotels or in inns nearby, they just put members of the U.S. team in 14 different private homes of Franconia residents. The snow ended up being pretty good. It was soft for the downhill and the giant slalom, which was Friday and then Saturday. But then on Sunday, it froze and was perfect for the slalom. The Americans didn't do too well. They had a lot of good skiers, but no American women were on the podium. And then it was just Jim Barrows in third in the downhill and Jimmy Huga second in the slalom. He gave Jean-Claude Keeley a good run for his money in the slalom, but Jean-Claude Keeley was unbeatable that season i think he literally won every single race anyway i thought it was cool to look back on the very first american world cup because this year we'll have more than ever we'll have the killington which happened in november and then we have tahoe and aspen coming up for the men if you have a minute go on youtube and check out the cannon mountain ski area video of the 67 world cup Cannon Mountain footage. You heard a little clip of that in the beginning of this segment. It's really fun to watch people skiing on bumpy courses and sketchy equipment. <laughs> Anyways, that's all for the ski racing history nugget. If you've made it this far in the episode, 
Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Next episode can be found sometime in the next two weeks. I don't know when, but you can find updates and previews and sneak peeks on my Instagram stories. I'm Jimmy underscore who underscore. Don't be afraid to DM me. I always respond to my DMs. A couple of updates that you might have missed if you weren't on Instagram. I did an awesome conversation with Otla McGrath and then the SD card died. So we lost that episode. It was an awesome one. And hopefully we'll get him back at some point later this winter. Another sneak peek is I might be making Arc City apparel. So stay tuned for that. If you see me on the mountain, make sure to say hi. A lot of times I have stickers in my pocket and I will definitely give you those for free. And until next time, make sure to eat your greens, share this podcast with your friends, and dream about arcs. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and thank you for visiting Arc City. Arc City.